G'day everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to The Dis Regulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is coming to you from the Maitland Private Hospital, the Barrington Psychiatric Ward. And I have been given, as you may have heard on the last episode, a brand new diagnosis, Asperger's Syndrome. So what on earth is Asperger's Syndrome? Well, we're going to find out today what exactly it is, how it relates to me, and what the options are moving forward. But before we do that, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe, give us a really good five-star rating, and share it around with your mates. And if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can do so at thedisregulated.podcast. Okay, so Asperger's Syndrome, what on earth am I talking about? Well, the syndrome is marked by a greater level of impairment when it comes to communication and language skills, along with limited yet repetitive thought and behavior patterns. That last bit is definitely me. So some characteristics of Asperger's syndrome. So what we're looking at is some trouble with social interactions. So people with the syndrome do not find social interactions as something that comes normally. A lot of anxiety can be produced when these interactions occur. You also see restricted interests, engagement in repetitive behaviors, and intensely focusing on routines and rules. So some symptoms that we see includes repetitive speech, difficulty with coordination, a real focus on the finer details, and this one again is so me, an inability to maintain eye contact. So we're looking at the ground, we're looking at the sky, but we're definitely not looking at the person we're talking to. So some causes, it may be hereditary, uh, prenatal exposure to toxic elements, so that's in utero, can play a part, um, excessive prematurity, and also brain abnormalities, which is probably a given. So treatment, we're looking at cognitive behavioral therapy, speech and language therapy, social skills training, and also at times the use of antipsychotic drugs and different antidepressants. So to sum it all up, really, we're looking at significant problems with social interactions, deficits in nonverbal communication, repetitive behaviors or interests, and an insistence on sameness and inflexibility. So how does this apply to me? Well, the repetitive interest is certainly true. I've had a fixation on a narrow set of hobbies or interests for a very long time, and currently the most prevalent being, and you may guess this, psychology and all things to do with mental health. But in the past, I was obsessed when I was younger with trains, I was obsessed with flags of the world, trucks and road transport, even with my music choices. So I have a great love of Oasis and ACDC, but the way I look at these two bands these two bands is more akin to the type of support that you would have for, say, a football team. And of course, my longest running obsession which has brought me great pain for those in the know, has been with the mighty Newcastle Knights rugby league team. So problems with social interaction is interesting for me. So a friend of mine, who I'm sure she listens to the show, and I'm I'm certain she'll message me 
straight after she's listened to this and say, hey, you were talking about me. She said once, Elliot, your problem is that you are actually autistic and you need to accept it. She's very abrupt. What you do is watch very carefully to how others interact and you've become an expert, I like this part, in mirroring these behaviors. But none of it comes naturally to you because you are autistic. And you know what? She seems to be right because Asperger's syndrome is on the spectrum. It is now classed as high-functioning autism, but we're going to use Asperger's mostly so we can differentiate that from regular autism. So another big clue when we look at Asperger's is the lack of eye contact. Now, I've struggled with this forever. I remember in primary school a weird but relevant memory to, to share, which was that I was in a group setting once. This was, at, for, again, for those in the know, at Hudson Park. And the whole time I was fixated with this idea of needing to make eye contact with people. What resulted was a stare that lingered way too long and I'm sure was very uncomfortable for the person who was receiving it, which is also a sign of this condition. So either you're looking at no eye contact or far too much. And unfortunately, that is a big problem for me. And the people that know me will probably be nodding their head going, yes, Elliot does have trouble with eye contact. Yes, that is true. All right. Another telling point with boys is that as children, did the individual, did the child, when they were a child, like lining up their toy cars and trucks in a row? It seems inconsequential, but he's actually a strong predictor of Asperger's and autism. And you'll never believe what my own mother said to me today about this very subject. Yes, Elliot, you did used to do that. So there you go. There's more evidence that this is a very sound diagnosis. Now, listeners to the show would know that I have zero routine. I've tried to use a Google Calendar a billion times and I never ever use it. I just can't make that sort of organizational stuff habitual. It just doesn't come naturally to me. And that is because I have ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, which among other things is very much a disorder of lack of organization. But although I have no routine, I still crave it. I would love the ability to have the solid routine. And I guess this is where ADHD and Asperger's come into conflict, or at least in regards to me. In this case, in my case, my ADHD is blocking my Asperger's from getting what it wants, which is a fixed routine and sameness. Now, speaking of ADHD, it is common that both autism spectrum disorders and ADHD can co-occur. But what you get is a messy array of symptoms and behaviors, lots of internalized conflict as these two forces jockey for position. And what can result from this is anxiety and depression. So anxiety, because as the conflict rages within and the needs of each disorder aren't being met, which is scary when it's needed so, so much, Anxiety kicks in. Oh my God, we need this organization, but we can't do it. Oh my God, we need routine. We can't do it. This is terrible, unbelievable. And then what can occur is depression because we often don't get anywhere with what we're trying to do and our quality of life is impacted by these two blockages known as Asperger's and ADHD in this case. Oh, and the last interesting thing, 
most people with an autism spectrum disorder are left-handed and male. Not always, but often, most often. And you'll never believe it. I am left-handed and I'm definitely male. Last time I checked, I am male and I'm definitely left-handed. So there you go. Now let's have a look at a bit of the literature, the research. So this little bit comes from a paper called Overlaps and Distinctions Between Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder and Autism Spectrum Disorders in Young Adulthood, Systematic Review and Guiding Framework for EEG Imaging Research. Anyway, so this comes from Lao Tzu, Fritz and McLaughlin, and this is what they had to say. Compared to typically developing individuals, adults with ADHD and or autism spectrum disorder are at a high risk of experiencing a range of behavioral and cognitive problems such as mood disorders, sleep problems, yes, and unfavorable psychosocial outcomes including poorer academic performance and lower employment levels. Having concurrent symptoms of both autism or Asperger's and ADHD is associated with even poorer cognitive, emotional and functional outcomes than a single diagnosis. So there you go. It is a miracle. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I have an honours degree in psychology. After you read that, it is, it is a miracle that I got that degree. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Don't know if you heard that because good job, Elliot. We were, the odds were stacked against us and we got it done. How good's that? Anyway, moving, moving on. This next component comes from Spectrum News. Spectrum News, which I'm now subscribed to. My, my brand new subscription. I love it. Spectrum News. Anyway. This is what they have to say. The core diagnostic criteria for the conditions remain distinct in the DSM-5. So the DSM-5 is the diagnostic manual that psychologists and psychiatrists use to say to people, you have this condition. So this is how they diagnose. Anyway, so the conditions remain distinct in the DSM-5. Social communication impairments plus restricted and repetitive behaviors for autism and inattention or hyperactive and impulsivity, or a combination for ADHD. But both conditions can involve delays in language, yes, heightened sensory responses, so loud noises scare the shit out of me, and now it makes sense why, defiant behavior, maybe in the past, not anymore, of course, I'm much more well-adjusted, problems with regulating emotions, yes, and difficulty with planning, and with inhibiting behavior. Both also appear in childhood and are more often diagnosed in boys. So there's a bit to unpack there. Certainly, I've struggled with mood disorders for as long as I can remember, and I also have sleep problems. And although I do have an honors degree in psychology, have I mentioned that before, it was very nearly derailed by my inability to focus on the task at hand, ADHD, and engage properly with the opportunities I had to speak with my supervisor and fellow students, and that's the Asperger's, because it just felt awkward to me, so I didn't want to do it. Often, I would just stay quiet, as having these conversations with people I wasn't initially comfortable with wasn't something I was really willing to do, even though I really, really wanted to. And of course, when I did, my eye contact was minimal at best. 
So emotionally, dysregulation is the very essence of how my emotions flowed. Extremely dysregulated, hence the name of the bloody podcast. And of course, actually planning and following through with something very rarely happens as it should. Usually everything is done last minute. So I'm confident when I say that it appears to me that I have elements of both disorders. Yippee, how good's that? Even if at times the symptoms are in conflict of each other, such as wanting routine but not having the ability to make that happen. Although, on a side note, I'll tell you what, being in hospital is a great way to build a routine because it is forced upon you. So that's a great, great little side note. A good thing that's been happening since I've been in hospital is I've actually been forced to follow routine and I'm a lot better person for it, that's for sure. Anyway, now a very important point, which I don't really want to bring up, but absolutely must is this. People with Asperger's tend to focus their conversations with people on themselves and what they want to talk about. So in other words, it's all about me, 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 and whatever is on my mind. That is what is important and what should drive the conversation. So as someone who has a whole podcast dedicated to talking about myself, I have to concede that this point or diagnostic criteria, I suppose you could say, does unfortunately fit in this case. So I want to say this to everybody who's ever had a conversation with me, my apologies to everybody that has had to suffer through my long-winded stories and opinions on topics I find interesting and perhaps didn't feel as though they got the chance to put anything forward of their own. I apologize and I will do better, I promise. I will let you take more of a role in the conversation instead of dominating it, I promise. Okay, hold me to that. Okay, now it must be said that my psychiatrist said, Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most severe, that I sit around the 3 to 4 mark with my Asperger's. Now, excuse me, part of the reason he says that is because I've retained insight into my condition. I know what's going on. So, you know, I know something is going on and it's affecting my quality of life. I have that level of awareness. But those who score above 4 on his scale don't have the awareness that something is wrong and just proceed through life as is. So it is other people that have to say to them, look, you know, things aren't really going as they should, I don't think, for you. There's a few things we need to work on. You know, let's put you in a therapy. Whereas in my case, I'm thinking, okay, there's things I'm doing which don't seem to be working. I need to go to therapy. So that is the difference. So that's good news for me. That's good news. So I'm a three to four out of 10. I can, I can sort of deal with that. That's something to work with. But if it is indeed Asperger's or high-functioning autism we are dealing with here, then it makes sense as to why the myriad of medications have not worked on me. Remember, I'm up to over 20 different medications now. I think my total is 21. I need to go back through and count it, but I think I'm sitting on 21. So those with neurodevelopmental conditions such as ADHD and autism or Asperger's often, according to my psychiatrist, don't respond well to the newer classes of medications such as SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the newer antipsychotics and mood stabilizers. And this is why my medication regimen is pivoting back towards the older classes of medications 
such as the tricyclic antidepressants, which I'm on now, clomipramine, which I'll do an episode about that in the coming days, what the difference is between these older school antidepressants and the new ones. So that is a very brief rundown of Asperger's, high-functioning autism, and comorbid ADHD. Hopefully that explains a little bit about what I'm up against here. I'm also up against this nagging thought that as I'm talking right now, there's people on the other side of the door listening to my every word. So it's a miracle that I've been able to get this this episode out. That's the social anxiety coming into it. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. That's That's probably another episode as well. So some of the information may resonate with you as well, the listener, quite possibly. Some of these things you might be thinking, hmm, that sounds a bit like me. So it is always important, in my opinion, to keep investigating your prognosis and diagnoses when it feels as though it just doesn't fit right. Because I tell you, it was many, many years ago now I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression and a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. That is for sure. After all, we're up to eight diagnoses now, Fadingham. And just quickly, he did affirm my borderline personality diagnosis. So saying I'm complex, unfortunately, barely tells half the story. So not only are there neurodevelopmental conditions, we've got mood disorders, but we've also got personality disorders at play here as well. Anyway, that's all for this episode. Hopefully you'll learn a thing or two from this one about Asperger's. If you've got any questions, feel free to flick me a message on Instagram at the dysregulated.podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode coming to you from the Maitland Private Hospital Psychiatric Ward, where I'll tell you what, I am doing some of my best work. Anyway, that's enough for me. See you next time on the Dysregulated Podcast. <laughs>